After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Yeah.
in the AM. Achenu, we did the uh, the Achenu that everyone has uh, gotten used to this summer, <laughs> the one that's become very familiar to every generation, not just those who grew up with it. Uh, that was the one from Leiva Vanefish with A.B. Rottenberg and Company. And then Schwebel Scharf and Levine, another uh, rendition of Achenu off of the CD entitled The Pintal Yid. As we uh, watch very closely the news from Israel, the news from the Middle East, and wonder wonder about the situation and what the future brings, and knowing that uh, only our only our achdos as expressed by Achenu and only our assistance from the one above is going to uh, get us through the current situation, just like every situation. And uh, what will happen? What will the latest news lead to what will uh, what will the reaction of the Israeli government be in terms of the role of the IDF and IAF in this continued war against Hamas against the enemy against those who want to destroy Israel and the Jewish people only time will tell we'll talk about all this coming up our weekly update Malcolm Honline is going to join us um, at about 7:40 this morning and we'll discuss all the events of this week and conjecture, I guess, a bit about the future. You heard Regesh with Harachaman. You heard Lenny Solomon and company off of a Shabbat in Liverpool with Tzor Shalom, And, of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this August 22nd, day 26 in the month of Menachem Av, the year 5774, but not for long. The brand new year is fast approaching, believe it or not. Erev Shabbos Parshas Re'eh. Oh, I didn't look up the official candle lighting time. I'll do that now. We have a discrepancy. We usually follow two, or we look at and examine two different candle lighting times, two different calendars, and then we make a decision about which one to announce. But today, one of those calendars has candle lighting time almost at 8.30. I think that was a typo. I think that was a typo. So we have to uh, re-examine the candle lighting situation. So we already have... Re-examine the uh, the candle lighting situation, and we're going to call it for 7:24. Right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to call it official candle lighting time 7:24 on this era of Shabbos as we get set for Shabbos Mavarchim. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh Elul, Rosh Chodesh Elul will be Tuesday and Wednesday, which means Monday night. Uh, Yalav Yavo and Rosh Chodesh will begin. 69 degrees, 89 percent humidity, winds in north at four miles an hour. Morning showers with a high of 74. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low temperature of 66. Tomorrow morning clouds, afternoon sun, and a high temperature of 77 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 88, Tel Aviv at 86, Haifa at 86, and a lot at 99 degrees. 69 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, the news from Israel. As I'm reading the uh, Jerusalem Post live blog about what's going on in Gaza, I am reading that just about an hour ago, rocket alert sirens sounded in Stay Road and the surrounding communities. This is in addition to what's been happening all morning long in Israel. Shar HaNegev, Be'er Sheva, Stot Negev Regional Council, Iron Dome shooting down rockets near Ashkelon, and this is, again, all just happening in the last couple of hours as supposedly negotiations are going to be stepping up in Cairo. And I read about this, this they wrote live red alert, and um, 
I say to myself, wow, two weeks ago today we were there in Stay Road, right around the same time. And uh, thinking about what uh, what they're going through on a regular basis, running into shelters, utilizing the areas of the playgrounds that are Mugan, that are secure and shielded. It is a difficult life. It is a um, a tough day-to-day right now in a lot of areas in Israel. While at the same time, we're encouraging everybody to continue to go and show solidarity and enjoy time in Israel because there's plenty of places where you can enjoy plenty of great times in Israel. But there are certain areas that are obviously targets of the enemy right now, and we'll see how the uh, the government responds. Uh, there has been a uh, there's been an escalation over the last couple of days in the uh, in the attempts to uh, rid the world of some of the leaders of the Hamas movement. Uh, that uh, th- th- those targeted hits have been successful, but is it enough? Who knows? Uh, we'll talk more about this coming up during the weekly update about 7:40 this morning, right here. At JM in the AM. It's a Friday. I thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, all day long on our stream, we have incredible selections for an Arab Shabbos that go on, courtesy of our friends at Kedem. I hope you'll have a chance all through the day uh, to turn on the uh, Nahum Single Network app and to listen to jmtheam.org and to just enjoy uh, enjoy our incredible Arab Shabbos music stream, which goes all the way until candle lighting time. So keep that in mind. Keep your... Uh, Keep your um, access to our live stream active all day long. It'll be something that you won't regret. It's an amazing way to go through an Erev Shabbos with us at JM in the AM. 631, 29 minutes before 7 o'clock with the Yeshiva Boys Choir.
כל ששון וכל שמחה, כל חתן וכל כלה. It is an amazing video. It really is an amazing video and a great selection. That is, um, it's from a, a, uh, I guess a production company called Music Kids, uh, with Yassi Azulai doing Bowie Vishalom at an amazing, uh, uh, wedding that, um, that of course is a, uh, a takeoff on the, uh, Andrea Bocelli song. Unbelievable. It says here, only in Italy can you have a Jewish wedding where a cantor sings an Italian love song in Hebrew. <laughs> JM in the AM. Before that, you heard Ben Sio Schenker, Pischuli, off of the Halal Vizimra CD. New York Boys Choir had Via Hafta, and Yeshiva Boys had Uval Itzio. Nine minutes before 7 o'clock Friday morning, a big, big hello to our friends 
in Johannesburg, South Africa, who are tuned into JM in the AM. Much appreciated. By the way, a big thank you to everybody who tuned in yesterday during the live lunch conducted by Yehoshua Siegel and Yosef Siegel. Uh, they got a bunch, I think it was over 50 uh, user comments on our uh, NSN app during the show. And I don't think there's been a comment since then. The show ended at 1 o'clock, and the last comment was at 12.57 Eastern Time. So anybody out there would like to comment on this show, hey, why not? Go to the uh, NSN app. You'll see right in the front it says add a comment. And uh, you could tell us something about uh, either today's show or something you want us to know as we conduct a Friday morning JM in the AM. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Re'eh, candle lighting at 724. Very concerned, as all of us are, about the situation in Israel. We'll examine it in less than an hour when Malcolm Honline joins us for the weekly update coming up at JM in the AM. That happens about 7.40 Eastern Time this morning. Keep your radio, your app, your stream, your computer, where it is right here at JM in the AM.
the Dirshu Heyu Nechonim CD, that's Achenu, again a theme for the entire summer. Theme for always, but you know what I mean. Ach Sameach, done by Yaakov Shweki off of the Kolod CD. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. News from Israel coming up. Weekly update about 7.40 this morning. Malcolm Holine will join us. We'll discuss everything that's happening in Israel and the Jewish world. So make sure to keep your radio and your app and your stream and your computer exactly where it is here at JM in the AM. Don't forget our great weekend programming, including Matis on Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Matis conducts a JM Sunday, which includes a great news report in English every single Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. בליצה על השעה השתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. רוכב אופנוע בן 22 נהרג בהתהפכות בצומת גינות סחרוף בכניסה לירושלים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו יותם ברגר. נמשך הירי לעבר הדרום, מבית החולים סורוקה, כתבתנו תמר ירושלמי. בשעה האחרונה נשמעו אזעקות בחלק מהיישובים בעוטף עזה. במועצה האזורית אשכול התפוצצה רקטה בתוך יישוב וגרמה נזק קל לבתים, אין נפגעים. רקטה נוספת התפוצצה בשטח פתוח. מוקדם יותר נפצע גבר בן 54 באורח בינוני מפגיעת רסיס בבאר שבע. הוא עבר לטיפול רפואי בבית החולים סורוקה. דני שטרקמן, פרמדיק מגן דוד אדום, עדכן ממקום הנפילה בבאר שבע על הטיפול בפצוע. אני טיפלתי בגבר כבן 53 שנפגע מרציף ביד, כי בור שנפער כתוצאה מנפילה ככל הנראה של רקטה במרכז החנייה. מסביב היו מכוניות שנפגעו מההרס, זכוכיות מנוחצות של הבתים ליד. השר יובל שטייניץ אומר, אין מנוס מלהגיע להסדר בשיחות ישירות עם חמאס. בסוף, כל עוד החמאס שם, אז כל הסדרה, גם אם היא בעקיפין, היא בעקיפין מול החמאס, בואו לא נרמה את עצמנו. אז אני לא אוהב את המריחות, את כל הרעיונות האלה שכאילו באים ואומרים לך, לא תדבר עם החמאס, זה ארגון טרור, נדבר עם הרשות, נעשה מידה בינלאומית. אומרים בעל המאה הוא בעל הדעה. אזעקה נשמעת כעת בנחל עוז ובעלומים. אזעקה בנחל עוז ובעלומים. שלושה בני אדם, בהם ילדה, נפצעו קשה בתאונת דרכים בין היישוב כליל לכפר ג'אצ'ה בגליל. כתוצאה מההתנגשות עלו כלי הרכב באש וצוות כבאות חילץ את הפצועים. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שהם פונו לבית החולים נהריה. אזעקה נשמעת שוב כעת בנחל עוז ובעלומים. שלושה קטינים נעצרו בחשד שארגנו קרבות כלבים. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. בעקבות מידע על קרבות כלבים באזור כפר קאסם, הגיעו למקום שוטרים ולוחמי משמר הגבול. במקום נמצאו נערים בני 15-17 המשסים כלבים אלו באלו. בצידי המתחם התגלו גופות כלבים מתים. שלושה מהנערים שניסו להימלט מהשוטרים נתפסו ונעצרו. הכלבים הפצועים וגורי הכלבים שנמצאו במקום נלקחו על ידי עמותת תנו לחיות לחיות. 
צבא עיראק בשיתוף כוחות כורדים פתח במבצע להשתלטות מחדש על שתי ערים מידי ארגון דאעש, כתבנו עומר קדרון. אחרי שבתחילת השבוע הצליחו לכבוש מחדש את סכר מוסול, ממשיכים הכוחות הכורדים והעיראקים בשיתוף פעולה במבצע התקפי נגד ארגון המדינה האסלאמית. הכוחות הכורדים, בגיבוי התקפות אוויריות של צבא ארצות הברית, מנסים לכבוש מחדש את העיר ג'לאולה, וצבא עיראק מנסה להשתלט על העיר סעדיה. התחזית ללא שינוי בטמפרטורות מחר יתחמם. מיד אחרינו יומן קצר עם העדכונים על הירי לעבר הדרום עם עידן קבלר. אלה החדשות שעורכת חן פישר בצוות הודיה קוסלובסקי וטל חסון.
with Shimmy Engel with Hakshiva here at JMN. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Re'eh with candle lighting at 724, exactly 12 hours from now is candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos, 724. Uh, Shalshalas had Gam Kielech. You heard both Yisrael Juskowitz and Mordechai Ben David with versions of Aishas uh, Chayel to open up the 7 o'clock hour. 69 degrees, morning showers and a high temperature of 74. Will bench Rosh Chodesh this Shabbos Rosh Chodesh El will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday. Rosh Chodesh El. I want to thank Mayor Fertig. He recommended that I watch the NCSY summer program thank you video. Spectacular. Spectacular. What a lesson taught to uh, the next generation and the way they carried it out. Beautiful. If you haven't seen it yet, just search NCSY Summer Thank You Video. And um, anybody who has had anything to do with these summer programs, and of course we had a very close connection to both the NCSY Kolel and the Michlele programs this past summer, anybody who's had any connection will appreciate the video very, very much. Really brilliantly done. And uh, I'll tell you something. The kids may have acted to a degree in that video, but I don't know. A lot of sincerity in there, you could tell. A lot of very thankful kids in our community. It's beautiful to see. JM and the AM, um, more coming up here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Weekly update where we get a chance to discuss Israel and the Jewish world. Malcolm Honeline about 15 minutes from now if you keep it at JM and the AM. Yeah. 
Jam the AM Baruch Levine with Bitchu. Ari Goldwag had Menucha Vesimcha. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Parsha's Re'eh with candle lighting at 724. We'll bench Rosh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Elul Tuesday and Wednesday. 69 degrees, morning showers and a high temperature of 74. It's a Friday morning broadcast. We will get to our weekly update coming up here at JM in the AM. We'll discuss the events of this week, especially everything going on in Israel. There is a lot happening. There is a lot going on. A uh, weekly update coming your way. If you want to comment about this show, and I, I want to thank both Yosef and Yoshua Siegel. Not only did they do the live lunch yesterday, they got, I believe, the largest number of comments on our app during any show since we introduced that whole concept of commenting on the app. So I want to say mazal tov to them. <laughs> and anybody who wants to comment on the app, you go to the home screen of our app. And, uh, that's it. You'll see right there. It says add a comment and, uh, you could add it and, uh, we'll hopefully see it during the program and uh, get it on the air. Simple as that. I saw an announcement about a, I don't know what happened to it. There was an announcement that came through about an event. Oh, here it is. There's a 5k run going on. There's a 5k run going on this Sunday. Run with Israel. A 5k run and walk. In Central Park, it begins at 10.30 in the morning this Sunday. A run with Israel, 5K run and walk. 10.30 in the morning this coming Sunday in Israel. There's a post-race event at the Ramaz Middle School on East 85th Street between Park and Lexington in New York City. For registration, for information, if you want to get involved on Sunday's run, which benefits the Lone Soldier Center. Um, run with Israel 5k at gmail.com. They have a, a, an online address. It's just, I don't think, I don't think I can convey the address, frankly. It's a little complicated. But if you have any questions or you want to know how to sign up for Sunday and be part of this race, this walk, this run on behalf of Israel, um, you just, uh, email your question to the following run with Israel 5k at gmail.com. Everything written out. Run with W-I-T-H Israel 5k at gmail.com. And that'll get you the info. You'll get your answer. You'll get the link where you could register and you can participate in Sunday's run for Israel to support, uh, the soldiers of Israel. The post race event again is going to be at Ramaz on East 85th Street. In New York City, we wish good luck to everybody who's participating. I know there's a whole bunch of young people in our community who are uh, at the helm of the uh, of that event. So we say good luck. Hope it's a very very big success from all of us here at JM in the AM.
With that amazing selection from Yossi Green and Company. That is uh, quite a song with Mordechai Ben David, of course, with the lead vocal, Anovim Anovim. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 7.24. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Elul will be Tuesday and Wednesday. It all starts Monday night, of course, but Tuesday, Wednesday is your two-day Rosh Chodesh. 
69 degrees, morning showers, and a high temperature of 74. My thanks to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend to all their readers, hundreds of thousands of readers, our incredible live stream at jmnam.org. You can print that before Shabbos, so I don't know, reams and reams of paper with articles examining what's happening in this world of ours. Go to jewishworldreview.com and uh, and do that. And, uh, yeah, that's right. Don't get caught up. There's other things you have to do on Shabbos as well, you know. Not just read about the latest uh, of what's happening in this crazy world of ours. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, the weekly update every Friday at this time. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us Friday morning for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nahum. Oh, we've got an amazing, crazy world, don't we, that we could talk about for hours and hours. Hundreds of rockets have fallen this week on Israel, Malcolm. Everyone starts to question did the ground offensive end too early? Is the Prime Minister of Israel going to have to call troops in to actually go into the ground in Gaza? What update could you give us about the way that Israel has responded to the hundreds of rockets this week? Well, Israel responded immediately and forcefully uh, and in a very effective way took out three of the top military leaders, which is a big blow to Hamas. And uh, you saw the reaction, you've seen the reaction uh, to it uh, internally, let alone externally with the firing of missiles and threats, and et cetera, that uh, have emanated from Hamas and, and their spokespeople. But so far they have supposedly executed about 18 people whom they claim are collaborators, i.e. people who have worked as suspected informants for Israel, or uh, in other ways assisted Israel or held connections. Uh, they killed seven just in the afternoon near a, a mosque in Gaza City as people were, were ending the midday prayers. So as far as we know now, the total is at least 18. Wow. Uh, this is often used to settle political uh, squabbles and personal uh, uh, fights and, and conflicts, but it's... Um, you know, they go in, they pull people out of the house, and they and they just kill them. Yeah. And they, they shoot them in, in publicly in the streets, and this has created reaction. And then the U.N. and the, and the Palestinians, and the numbers count them as victims of, of uh, Israeli bombing. Are you <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. counting It's like counting the suicide bomber among victims of an attack, you know? Exactly. Yeah, break. And so they, they do. Israel obviously is reluctant to send groups in, uh, troops in on the ground that might be subject to, yeah. you know, further attacks. They, they do not think that, uh, obviously, that there are tunnels that they need to take out. One can only uh, imagine how the Israeli government is, is is questioning that whole act, whether they should go in or not. It's Look, it's an ongoing debate. You uh, see even guys from the left complaining that Israel's not being tough enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that that's a fair uh, judgment, and I think all the people here who can pontificate and easy to debate, but when you're in the chair and you have to issue that call-up order, you know, now they're talking about 10,000 more reservists being right. pulled back. Think of the disruption in their lives. Think of, think of what, what the economic impact and what it does to the businesses they work for, yeah. let alone to, to them. So it's not an easy decision just to call up people or, God forbid, to have to send them in. Again, when they obviously still have targets and options, there's still 3,000 rockets in, in the hands of Hamas by the estimates, and they do manufacture more locally 
not the, the long-range ones that uh, today they fired at Tel Aviv again. Yesterday, even at Jerusalem, which is a very brazen move, particularly brazen, given the potential for hitting a holy site. But Hamas, like ISIS, do not respect them. They, they don't believe that there should be any monuments. They don't believe there should be things, but they don't care. They're but- not... But that's the whole. But that's the whole point. And the um, it's difficult enough to analyze what Israel has to do. I feel bad asking you to, to analyze the strategy of the enemy. But so, so this whole Cairo peace talks and these ceasefire discussions is this all a charade, a game that Hamas and those who represent them have to play as they continue to to toss barrages of rockets at Israel? Look, it's competition for their future. There is. Uh there is competition even amongst extremists and terrorists uh, for dominance. They know that there was a very negative reaction amongst the people of Gaza, and those who expressed it uh, do so once. But there we, they do know that, <laughs> that amongst the people there is a, a, a reaction. And remember that Hamas is still in a battle against Abbas over control, and the talk of Abbas coming back only exacerbates that, and the talk of European and other troops coming in. I mean, they want to eliminate the PA or not? Does Hamas want to eliminate the PA? They want to replace the PA. Which means they don't want the PA to exist anymore. They want, Hamas will be well, in charge of everything PA, in... It should be a Hamas PA. Right. Hamas will be in charge of everything they in would, Gaza and everything and in the... talking again about, and there are negotiations going on again about the two coming together, sharing power. I mean, we've seen some of these things. But look at where their leadership is. You have leadership in, in Qatar and the Qatari government pressing them not to agree to any ceasefire that comes from Egypt because Egypt has excluded them from Turkey, where you saw the announcements by Aruri this week where they took credit for the kidnapping of three uh, boys, said that they're behind it, um, that, that yeah, so, and they're in Turkey, where, which is also angry at Egypt for being excluded from the process and would like to play a regional role, and uh, we'll talk about it, but we've seen also the changes in Turkey this week. Uh, with the election of uh, the, the new head of the Justice Party, who becomes the prime minister, was the former foreign minister, is even more extreme than uh, Erdogan in many, in many respects, and much more, and even more dangerous. So they have based in Turkey, based in Qatar, they have uh, obviously based they have uh, people operatives in, in Sinai and in Egypt, uh, as well as uh, the West Bank so- and in Jordan. Now, so, yeah, they sorry. have cells in, 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 in dozens of cities. And that was revealed when you saw this um, coup attempt that was uncovered by Israel. And they, they were in more than a dozen cities. They arrested 93 people. The first target, by the way, was going to be Harabai at the Temple Mount. But the goal was to overthrow Abbas in the West Bank, meaning that they would take over the PA in the West Bank and link to Gaza. Their second target was to create an intifada against Israel. Again, the third intifada, they thought that that would be uh, triggered. And the, to uh, impose their doctrine on the, on the Palestinians on all sides. And when they you recruited s- students who were chemistry students, engineering students in Jerusalem, Nablus, um, Hebron, Ramallah, Everywhere, but when you say Temple Mount, that would have been the symbolic place of their of their takeover, so to speak. That would have been no. They wanted to create explosions and things, which of course they would blame on Israel. But that was to be at the place of attack. So you would have the demonstrators up on the Temple Mount, as we saw during the Intifada, again throwing stones, shooting, etc. From there, but to, to what benefit? 
I mean, why? No, this would be part of trying to arouse a third, the third intifada, and to to manifesting the violence, the violence that would be manifest uh, throughout the region. Right. In other words, essentially, essentially, they need an intifada not just against Israel, but against anyone Israel cooperates with, like the PA, etc. Like they have to, they have to eliminate any ally of anyone who seems to be aligned with Israel. Right. And they want to get the money, and I'm sure the Qatar told them, "You guys better take control if you want, you know, to keep." Getting all the dough from us. And by the way, why do we, you know, take this from the average guy like me? Why is it that we never hear Qatar for years, and all of a sudden they're in the news everywhere? Had they, had they get, had they become a player in all of this? You heard them every day. You heard of Al Jazeera. That's them. That's them. As one Arab, as many Arab leaders have said to me, actually, it's a, it's a country built on a television station. Uh, you know, they have only money. They, have, they don't produce. The people are not productive. But they have adopted more and more an extreme position because it's a competition between Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Their foreign policy is anything that's anti-Saudi. They are also trying to establish themselves and having a role. And the United States uh, has, in some respects, uh, encouraged that. And especially now that we're talking about an $11 billion arms sales to Qatar, it should not be happening. Uh, we have a base there. They they were a good friend. I visited Qatar a number of years ago. So what happened? How'd they get so radical? It uh, it turned, and now the young, the son of the emir took over, and it, he, he who, who was a big hope because everybody thought you know a young guy, Western educated, would be different. The fact is, he isn't different, and his father still really uh, controls what's going on. So the, so the Saudis look at them the same way they look at Iran, the same way they look at Syria. They hate them with such a deep passion. Uh, but what we know that the Qataris supposedly threatened Mashal this week about if he went along with this Egyptian proposal for a ceasefire. By the way, was, right? That's why I say. But that was, well, by the way, the side effect of that, again reportedly, is that when Mashal called Mohammedif to tell him about the Egyptians and, and asked about reacting to the ceasefire offer. It's how Israel was able to trace where Muhammad Deep was. Wow. Is he gone or not? Yes. He is gone? No. He <laughs> is gone or not. Right. <laughs> He's one of them. <laughs> but but we, we really have no... In other words, there's evidence that his wife and kid were killed. We don't know if he was? The father... The uh, the, the, the daughter... The wife and daughter were killed in the, in the bombing. This guy has escaped death more times. So he might have escaped again, you're saying. It's possible. And they haven't produced the, the body. There right. were announcements made shortly thereafter. So, so Mashal call, so calls Deef, and that's the phone call that Israel's able to intercept? They intercepted the call. We're able to trace where he was. <laughs> Unbelievable. That is uh, reportedly the, the um, uh, you know, how, how they were able to. Right. To and, and if Mashal is under so much pressure not to participate in these talks and not to agree to any type of ceasefire, then, then what is the value potentially of any ceasefire that's reached? It's ridiculous. They, they break it at a moment's notice as we've, as we've seen them do. Well, here you have the difference between the guys on the ground, the guys who are in Hamas facing, in, in, in uh, Gaza facing the rockets and those who are outside who live in the luxury of the uh, Qatari hotels and, you know, bars and all the facilities. Um, and and there is a, a real fight between the outside and inside. As you remember, there was between the guys in Tunis and Fatah and Arafat, you know, Arafat, the guys who are outside and the guys who are inside who have to answer to people and have to live with the right. consequences more Good point. more directly. Um, but we're also seeing that Al-Aqsa, the, of Fatah, you know, the Al-Aqsa brigade right. that you didn't hear about for a long time, right. now is 
is fighting again. They they listed 30 att- uh, attacks that they participated in in since uh, mid July last month, month and a half. And uh, so there's a competition for extremism. I mean, who, who's killing more people? Who's who's engaged? Because they feel that to be relevant, you have to be part of that process. You have to be showing that you're also uh, killing Jews. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Honline is with us. We discuss the events of this week. Um, there, remind us, Malcolm, there have been times over the last few years where in a in a period of days or weeks, hundreds of rockets have been, uh, you know, have have been uh, shot Israel's way. This is not, in other words, I know it's a little different now because coming off of what just happened during the summer, but there have been times where Israel's citizens have had to tolerate these types of attacks without a really strong response from Israel. All one needs to do is to go to Stay Road and see the missile museum, which is just stacks and stacks and stacks of the remnants of rockets that were fired at them. My point being that Israel does not necessarily have to step it up. They could try to deal with this the way they've done in the past through the Air Force, through airstrikes, and I guess through some type of negotiation. By stepping it up, you mean going in? Yeah, Israeli ground forces. Yeah, but but the infrastructure, as was shown, so much of it requires more. Now, they do have good intelligence, and they have plenty of sites. When they start running out of sites now, and, and also remember, they are manufacturing. Look what the... Iranians boasted this week about how they taught them to build rockets and gave them technology and assistance. So some of the M302, the long-range ones, were made in Syria and by Iran, via Iran, were given to the Palestinians. But the the vast majority of the rockets that they're now firing locally, uh, they claim, have been made and manufactured in those underground tunnels and are Mm. continuing to be uh, manufactured. So Israel some point is going to have to take out that underground infrastructure which you cannot do by air and the um, uh, so Israel's also constrained somewhat by I think the international community and by trying to maintain support and, and understanding including from the United States which has been supportive of Israel's right to defend itself this week and of its right to uh, hit back and would you be shocked if they go in the next two weeks no, I would not. You would not be. All right, so it looks like that's where we're heading. Um, not to scare anybody, we're still going to maintain our policy to encourage people to keep their trips to Israel exactly where they are on the calendar because uh, as difficult as things are in certain areas, there's plenty of areas we can enjoy time in Israel. Did you see the estimate? I saw it just this morning. I don't know if it made the New York Times, but it's on their website. Did you see the estimate of the uh, number of dead in the Syrian conflict, according to the United Nations? 191,000, I think. I mean, 191,000, and nobody says a word. That's an estimate, and and the numbers are always much higher, because those are only verified bodies, counts that they can uh, justify. And the number is well over 200,000 by now. In addition, I mean, we are seeing what what is being done to Christians and the numbers of people, the thousands being killed by ISIS, brutal, horrific murders, beheadings uh, in both Syria and and uh, Iraq. And we have to be remember that Hamas, as the Prime Minister points out all the time, 
is a sister city. I mean, they, a sister group of these, of these crazies. They're just as crazy. They kill. They kill children. You know, they may not do it by slitting the throats because they can't get close enough, but if they could, they would. And the, um, uh, you know, the nature of the enemy that is being fought, we, we should never lose sight. These are, are driven, people driven by extremist ideologies. There are pragmatic people, perhaps amongst them, who you know want a little lesser bloodshed so that they you know don't have the whole international community. You know, Iran had a, a uprising in one of the prisons this week, and they executed 17 people. They were hanged in the prison. Um, they have verified all of them, but the number seems to be pretty good. What's interesting is that it brings to over 800 people who were summarily executed in Iran by this moderate regime of Rouhani. <laughs> Since last August, more than 800 people executed. That's much more than under Ahmadinejad. And this is, includes secret, uh, does, uh, um, secret killing of prisoners, women, minors. They, I mean, they take 16-year-olds and they hold them in jail till they're 18, and then they execute them. It's unbelievable. It's barbaric. And, and then ISIS today, or ISIS, or ISIL, as different people call them, different stages of their development, talks about sleeper cells in the United States and how they've been able to infiltrate into the United States. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether they really have sleeper cells, but they. But we, we know now, uh, according to reports this week, that there are 12,000 foreign fighters in Syria. You know how long I've talked to you about this subject, how we warned for years. Yeah, but I thought you were about to say the United States. One second. And... Um, there are at least a hundred they admit, but I will tell you, I bet it's more than 200 who are fighting in Syria. People from 50 countries carrying foreign passports, which means they have entrees. They don't need to have foreign cells. They can send back these guys who will wreak havoc. The, the British admit that there are 500 now with British passports. The French, probably eight, 900. You, and, and they can also come to the United States, by the way, because of our visa arrangements with these countries. So I don't know that my point is that sleeper cells may not be necessary in the same way. Even because you have the sure free travel. Has right. We know that they do. There's a new book right. that just came out about all of their activities that we've talked about, you know, the illicit cigarettes, drug trafficking, right. et cetera, et cetera. In America, when you read this by a professor, Louis Shelley, it's coming out. I think you can get it on Amazon already. Believe me, it'll be a wake-up call to know you don't need foreign yeah. cells. These it's guys a, are it's, operating. It's a small world, and the terror world is just as small. <laughs> the the, the e easy traffic back and forth. Oh, absolutely, and and she shows the maps that we, we have talked about. Uh, how, how, by the way, it's the reverse of the of the uh, slave trade. So it goes from Africa to Europe via um, uh, Western Africa and through South America into the United States. And, and you can see clearly how how these guys, uh, how they operate. And who, who gets called then to the International Criminal Court? Who gets threatened <laughs> with war crimes charges? Israel, the one country that's fighting all these things, has been in the forefront. The one that loses soldiers because of how careful they are not to harm civilians. Exactly. And, and the uh, by the way, the United States said this week that they would not let it go to the ICC, that they said they couldn't see any circumstance where they wouldn't veto a measure if the Security Council tries to refer Israel. Uh, but on the other hand, we have this... I thought that decision wasn't going to be made until the probe was finished in March. Right, but they, they were asked the question yesterday, State Department. Oh, and they said emphatically that they will not do it? They, 
said we cannot see the circumstances ah, gotcha. the word under which they would do it, which right. was essentially saying, and they said they, but that they warned Abbas that this would undo, uh, undermine anything that he's trying to do or that with them, and that uh, uh, it, it, you know, and then you have a commission of inquiry by the Human Rights Council of the UN. The general UN session is coming up, right? The UN General Assembly starts in uh, mid-September. Is this going to? The is Security this... Council is going to meet, and we think the Europeans are going to put forward a resolution for another uh, ceasefire. Is this what's going to dominate that whole session, Israel? <laughs> is that? Um, I think you got Ukraine, you have Syria, you have Iraq. I think ISIS uh, will be more. They would like to see this issue out of the way, and they would like to see it. Yeah, well. You know, just because they have so much on their plate, they can't handle one, let alone all these things uh, simultaneously. I know that you've addressed it because you spoke about the brutal killings, etc., but maybe there's an additional point to be made. What, what do we in the United States need to learn from this James Foley episode? Well, unfortunately, they're holding other people, too, um, which we'll discuss at another time. Uh, God willing, it'll be a good outcome, but it's a very delicate and difficult situation. Uh, but if you, you, number one, you see the brutality of these people, the cold-blooded murder. And the first thing that should come to people's mind is Daniel Pearl. Right. What happened to him and how he died and what a hero he was and the way he died and expressing his commitment to, to his Jewish faith and his Jewish uh, ancestry and their role in Israel, etc. The, the, and the fact that this guy was supposedly a very sympathetic uh, reporter according to some of the descriptions uh, of it, but it doesn't matter to them because it's, it, they will kill their own, they will kill others, they, they have no restrictions uh, on what they do, uh, and the threats, and when they make these threats, you have to take them seriously, and, and they have allies. You know, the new, as I said, the new foreign minister in Turkey is really an extremist uh, uh, Islamist, uh, as bad as the Prime Minister is. Um, he had no problem with he had no problem with Foley's beheading. Did you see the condemnations? Have we seen the statements? Where's the outrage? Where's the and 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 what they've done in Mosul? What they've done to these what they've done to others? Hardly an outcry from the world. You know, we scream when they don't care about Israelis and dead Jews. Think of what these guys have, and and now we see reports that in Syria they have hundreds of portable anti-aircraft missiles. These guys will have no compunction about shooting down, you know, flights over Turkey, flights over Syria, Jordan, anywhere they want. Uh, and this is the true nature being ex- uh, expressed. And the world sits by and 200,000 people can be killed. And all they focus on is Israel. Where do you see the BDS demonstrations in equivalence versus, uh, you know, products coming from West Bank, Syria, any place else? Where do you see them blocking ships or shipments from these companies, uh, countries like we see against them in California, which, right. by the way, did unload? Yeah, we saw that, and we've seen the demonstrations before there. But it's the message. It's and then on campuses, we saw a Jewish kid beat up on a temple because he dared challenge some of these guys in their criticism of Israel, asking why they don't criticize the others and why where, where's the criticism about Syria? I mean, it's. It's, um, Do you include the United States when you say that the condemnation was not there when it came to Foley's murder? No, the United States, uh, I think... Uh, so the White House responded properly, you're saying? Responded properly. I mean, it was limited things. The question right. is, you know, what could have been done earlier? And now we learn that they 
had a an attempted rescue, and though it didn't work out, I right. don't think criticism. How did that remain silent for so long? That was unbelievable. They had, they had a whole, I saw the whole description. I don't know why it had to come out now. I mean, why why do you have to tell them anything about what you do? You should just do it. And these things, you know, they can write books about it later on. But while you have ongoing drama and better intelligence about his location, and it may have worked. I mean, it was a it was a uh, it was a yeoman's effort, as they say. It, it was, yeah. But, but you know, people. I guess they one of the reasons they keep it quiet is because they don't want comparisons to Jimmy Carter's failed attempts right. and to others, and it's an embarrassment to the administration or to uh, people. Didn't I think it's not? I think we know what we're dealing with. We know how how difficult it is with terrorist uh, or, or organizations. And you look at all the countries in the region, have no people really to rely on. You know, Iran yesterday dismissed the Minister of Science, even though Rouhani tried to de- defend him because the parliament felt he was too supportive of pro-Western voices in universities. Where did you see one protest, one comment about it coming from any official? By the way, one of the issues that I know everybody was calling and writing about this week about where the United States held up weapons, didn't hold up weapons. Yeah, we spoke about that last week, right? No, but yes, but they, then there was this new right. arrangement. That arrangement no longer exists. The shipment's gone through. We're back to where we were before. Yeah, what they call it, they, there was an extra step, right? There was like an extra right, step in the process. Uh, right, level, <laughs> an additional level that is not going to be uh, in, in place. All right, that's good news. We still have a friend in the world, thank God. And that is good news, and, uh, you know, we, we have friends. You saw that 20,000 people demonstrated in Calcutta, India, in support of Israel. 20,000 Hindus and Buddhists came out in support uh, of Israel. And I will tell you that there's more support also in Syria, in um, Saudi Arabia, in, in Egypt, in the Gulf states, in Jordan. I love the videos I'm seeing of Arabs who live in Israel who are uh, becoming more vocal, frankly. Some of them on both sides of the right. issue, by the way. No, but I'm, I, yeah, I'm talking about pro-Israel. I know, but I'm right. saying they're vocal on both sides of the issue. You've had others who have come out very... Think, just think of the courage it takes. I know. For pa- Israeli Arab. I hate this term, Israeli-Palestinian. Right. It's going to have very bad implications in the future. But Israeli-Arabs, Israeli, uh, and a woman who has two sons in the army, or yeah. a son and a daughter in the army, to say that Israel should continue and should fight hard... And, she has to go back to a community. You know, there are people who can't stay in their houses, or somebody whose son tweeted in favor of Israel. They wouldn't let him buy a house in the neighborhood. I mean, and they harassed them. So this is a very courageous move when when people do this. It's not something we should take for granted. Uh, I know that this is not really your issue because, frankly, if people wanted to gather by the hundreds of thousands in this country, you would only encourage everybody to do so. Uh, but we know about the, you know, the, the, the height of the war so far was, was, you know, in the middle of the summer. There was a pretty big demonstration in New York. We've pointed out all the demonstrations that have gone on around this country in support of Israel. If we're going to look at it in a positive way, we have to acknowledge that a lot of it was very positive and well attended. But the dream of some people to gather hundreds of thousands together in one location in this country is likely not to become more realistic now that the summer months are leaving us, right? Even as we get into the regular season, so to speak, it, it doesn't look like we'll be able to put together a group like that to demonstrate together on behalf of Israel. Well, the, the question is whether it will be judged to be the most appropriate and effective way, but it becomes more likely because now that schools are back, right. 
kids are back from camp and, and universities are back. You have students who are available who make up a, often a large part of the of the participation. So it may make it more likely, if, and God willing, that we won't need it. And people have to understand that when you do events in certain places, you have to have really big numbers or it'll be judged a failure. You see how the mm-hmm. media distorts or misrepresents and how they try to play up constantly divisions between Israel and American Jewry. The fact that we've had hundreds and hundreds, maybe six, eight hundred events around the country, has has blunted that because people saw at the local level thousands of people coming out, and that you were able to mobilize many more people, I mean ten times more people perhaps than a single event would have, by virtue of the fact that we've had the proliferation of events with members of Congress uh, participating, Congress coming back now, and they only have like 10 days now in session. Um, so we have a lot of, of focus on that and work that has to be done with that and fighting the BDS on campuses and being there for the students in every campus where this is um, manifest or what we saw in England with the kosher products being removed from it was from one store and it was restored and they issued an apology. So people should keep it in context, but it's, it's a, the, the reflex reaction is what should be of uh, of concern. And a lot of these it's things an issue that's going to grow here in the United States. We're seeing more and more manifestations. It is not caught on. It is not having a real economic impact. And you know that Israel today stopped shipments or yesterday of dairy and meat, uh, poultry products to Western Europe from the uh, West Bank from the Shtachim uh, because of the new regulations that uh, Europe put in place. Um. What's going to be with the, uh, what will make the rocket stop falling? Is it going to be more likely Israel taking stronger action, or is there going to be a negotiated uh, um, ceasefire in the next couple of days? The, the two ways that it can stop is one is domestic pressure, but you see how Hamas deals with domestic reaction, and people are so intimidated. Although, courageously, after the fighting ended, many people spoke up, and and especially journalists, which we haven't talked about, really, about how the journalists who came out in the last week or so have uh, exposed the reality of what they were subjected to, and despite uh, the New York Times raising questions about whether the, the charges are true, it certainly seems evident from people many countries and the Foreign Press Association itself, and Israel made up of people from 32 countries, not Israelis, um, how strong their condemnation uh, was of the harassment and the things that people were uh, subjected to. Uh, so number one way to stop is, is if the people themselves get so fed up that they, and the Hamas sees that they're paying a price. Two is if Israel eliminates the leadership completely of Hamas. The danger of that, and when people keep saying, why don't they just kill everybody <laughs> or the leadership, you got to think of who will fill the vacuum. ISIS is active in, in, in Gaza. They're waiting on the sidelines, and the uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad has a significant infrastructure, a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran. So the other alternative is a negotiated uh, ceasefire that lasts some sort of arrangement whereby um, Israel's, the, the borders are, are protected, and Israel is not going to rely just on, on Europeans again who ran away the last time. And the proposals that they'd be in charge, they, I think they're relying very heavily on Egypt's role. And Egypt is doing it not just uh, not for Israel, but because its interests coincide with Israel in assuring that that um, uh, the Hamas is not able to 
you know, come out of the ashes and rise again, and and they see it as a bigger threat to Egypt than to Israel. Well, if we read between the lines, it sounds like uh, things may get a little rougher before they get any better. It could be, and, and, you know, Hamas doesn't think in rational terms. Hamas doesn't have to worry about the infrastructure. It doesn't worry about civilian casualties. They welcome civilian, civilian uh, casualties. They uh, continue to show the, you know, the weapons and show that the bravado and what they're able to do. And, uh, and in the meantime, when people get killed because of them, and when, when the infrastructure of Gaza is destroyed, they're talking about $6 billion in damage. Look, Israel did an amazing job. You know, people don't necessarily see the results or are able to quantify them properly. But the IDF and the IAF, very effective, and as we learn, a 50-50 ratio at, at worst, meaning between civilians and uh, Hamas uh, operatives, so probably 900 of them were killed and Israel's identified him by name, that the <clears throat> numbers given out by Hamas were false, that it was a much lower number of people killed, uh, and despite the fact that everybody buys 82% civilians, all that, it is not true. Uh, that it, the our, uh, Air Force did such amazing pinpoint hits. Unbelievable. Despite the pictures you see, when you look at it relative to, to what really occurred, <clears throat> and we don't know, Still, how many of those, we learn about more of the destruction and killing of people due to errant missiles fired by Hamas that landed, in almost 500 of them, in Gaza. Has the frenzy of European aliyah subsided? It was never a frenzy. I think it was uh, pretty systematic. The numbers are much higher than usual, but they're not overwhelming. You don't have a panic uh, fleeing of thousands at the time, but there are... I think from France this year, five or 6,000 people will go on Aliyah. From England, some more from other countries. Uh, people leave to other, to, to uh, United States, Canada, Australia, et cetera, also. Uh, but, it's also but it's not just Jews who are leaving. It's non-Jews who, who leave, too, and find the situation intolerable. I'm going to be going to visit Scandinavian countries to meet the governments and speak at parliaments and to heads of state, arranged, by the way, by non-Jews. So you'll be in Sweden be in Sweden as well, and other Denmark, other countries. Well, I mentioned Sweden only because they made the news that they had to cancel a demonstration that was pro-Israel because of the pressure that was being put on them. And there have been a whole series of events. You know, a city like Malmo, the Jews literally had to flee, could not stay there anymore. And we know that there was a demonstration in Denmark this week of people wearing yarmulkes and stars of David, non-Jews, by the way, marching together with Jews through uh, sections, city Muslim sections, uh, over the fact that Jews should not have to feel intimidated, and that Jews, as they said, you know, are, are full citizens. And when is this trip? Uh, I will report on it. I'm starting to get concerned. You know, if you tell me you're going to spend the week in Stay Road, I have no problem with that. <laughs> but you're telling me you're going to Sweden, I'm starting to worry a little bit, if you know what I mean. It'll be well protected, I assure you. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and finally, Malcolm, finally, finally. Am I irresponsible to continue to recommend to everybody as rockets fall on Israel to go to Israel as soon as possible to show solidarity, to spend money, and to enjoy all those wonderful places in Israel which you can go to without any problems at all? The airlines are flying. The hotels are open, beckoning. The weather is great. Yom Tovim are coming. There's every reason in the world for people to want to go. That I hope the children who are going to Yeshivot go 
Uh, oh, yeah, boy. I didn't even think of that. Wait a second. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that, that there's... That there may be people actually who are debating with their kids if they should go for the year. Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta think of a whole speech about this now for next week. No, they do. We, I know the number of calls I get. Oh no, I hope people aren't considering not going. The right way, and, and, um, I think the evidence is that they are. You know that the educational institutions in Israel nowadays, maybe it was different during the first and second intifada, I doubt it was, maybe the impression was, are really, really well prepared for this stuff right now. Yes, and, and most of Israel is not affected. You know, the, correct. The, the, the where the yeshivas are in Yushalayim and north of Yushalayim and other places. I don't think you know there may be some people who will be more reluctant to go to, to south uh, to the south. But you know, the the people are learning. You go to yeshiva and stay wrote. It's busy. The guys are are, are learning, and and more people come there. So there, are, uh, the uh, the people should not consider the message to their kids would be wrong. Um, again. Uh, you know, nobody can tell, not supposed to tell people what they should do, but right. what they should think about. It. And when they make a decision, think of the consequences, think of the message. Think of what, what are you telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us this land and said you have a chance and a right to reestablish and have a Jewish state. Look at what's happening in Europe. Think of, of all the other places. You think it's safer to send a kid to learn in Paris <laughs> than in London? Never. They can't walk around with the yarmulke. They can't walk around with any Jewish symbolism. Uh, and and uh, what's happening on uh, our campuses here. So I would tell people, think about it very carefully, but I hope that you'll make the right decision and think of the message, what the chinuch of your kid is, if you tell him that when uh, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu taught right. us then, taught it to, to the people who thought um, that they could stand on the sidelines, when we all become victims, that's what the, uh, this battle of uh, BDS, et cetera, is telling them. We don't mean them. We mean you. Yeah. We mean all of you. And then we have to do our part. And part of our part is to make our voices heard, to write congressmen and senators. They're still home on vacation. I hope everybody has met with theirs and inviting them to the synagogues and to communities and keep hitting away on the issues that we discuss. Demand that they, uh, you know, continue the arms and question the arms sales to Qatar and to Iraq or to, to rather to uh, Lebanon, uh, I think fighting ISIS is very important right now oh, yeah. in the war. This is all coming, as we told for years. It's all of one piece. It's one battle. It's a fight for the future of the world. Israel carried that battle alone for more than four decades, carried the war on terrorism five decades. And the whole world didn't appreciate it. All they did was condemn Israel when they carried the whole burden. Now, and they kept saying, everybody will face this. Everybody will face it. Now there's no country that doesn't face it. I thought it would be a relaxing August weekend. Now I have to prepare a whole rant about uh, going to Yeshiva in Israel. <laughs> there's no rest. There's no rest, Malcolm. We're in the middle of a war, Malcolm. There's no rest. <laughs> we will speak, Bezrat Hashem, next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you, and I want to wish a mazel tov to my son on the forthcoming marriage of Michal to Amiel Chichpartich. Mazal tov. Enjoy the wedding. It'll be down in Baltimore. God willing. Enjoy. We'll speak to you next week. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thought I had a little free time this weekend. Told Mr. Holmline reminded me that it's Rosh Chodesh Elul this coming week. Anybody out there who's considering not sending their kid to Israel, email me. Just email me. Promise me before you make any final decision, you email me.
See, I'm of the opinion that any alteration in our plans of any type, and I mean from the smallest to the largest, is caving into terrorism. That's my. I'm, I'm not any more brave or courageous than anybody else, folks. Although I do like when people think that if I'm going to Israel, it's safe enough for them to go. That's that's a good myth, which I would love to continue. But um, and I'll keep going, if not only for that reason. But um, any movement that we make, that we adju- any adjustment that we make in our lives out of this type of fear is, as far as I'm concerned, is caving into terrorism. So, yeah, you can cave into terrorism thousands of miles away. You don't have to be there on the spot to cave into terrorism. J.M. and the A.M. Friday, Erev Shabbos, uh, Parshas Re'eh, with candle lighting at 724 on this Erev Shabbos. Had a couple of things I wanted to get to before. Uh, oh, first of all, Rabbi Yudin is coming up, and I want to remind everybody as the Cycle of the Parshios is about to begin again in October, Bezrat Hashem, after the, after the holidays. Uh, Rabbi Yudin has a beautiful book that we spoke about at length last year, Rabbi Benjamin Yudin on the Parsha. He actually subtitles it, Tomorrow We Have the Privilege. Anybody who's a regular listener knows why he did that. <laughs> uh, so check it out. I want to re- recommend to everybody that you have it at your Shabbos table, starting with Shabbos Bracious or even earlier. It's called Rabbi Benjamin Yudin on the Parsha. You could search for it. And we wish Rabbi Yudin continued Hatzlacha with that project, uh, which is, of course, an outgrowth of his amazing work here for a long, long time here at JM in the AM and before JM in the AM. I uh, want to wish a Mazel Tov. This Shabbos is the Ofrof of Brian Michael Liebman, Baruch Moshe Ben Shimon of Fairlawn, New Jersey. Mazel Tov to Brian and his upcoming marriage to uh, Allison uh, Demiswecki, I hope I have that pronounced properly, of Springfield, New Jersey. Mazel tov to the Liebman and Miswecki families from all of us here at JM and the AM. Mazel tov. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Re'eh. Parshas Re'eh, according to the Chinuch, contains 55 mitzvos. It is an especially rich parsha. You have in Parshas Re'eh, at the beginning, the very significance of Yerushalayim, even though it is not mentioned by name, but the idea that Yerushalayim is an extension of the Mikdash, that korbanos, many of which were eaten in Yerushalayim, and the whole idea of Ma'aser Sheni being eaten in Yerushalayim. And you should just know that Yerushalayim has as a halachic basis that is an extension of Mikdash. When Rosh Hashanah falls out on a Shabbos, they blow the shofar in the Beis HaMikdash, and according to some, in Yerushalayim as well. There's a mitzvah to take the Esrogel Lulav in the Beis HaMikdash all seven days. Some say this applies to Yerushalayim as well. You have in this week's parsha at the beginning of chapter 14, I suggest that you go through the Ramban. This is the beginning of chapter 14, and the Ramban 
therefore talks about some of the basic philosophy of Avelos, of our laws of mourning, that really it is a concession to us, and we are not mourning for primarily the deceased, but rather the Torah allows the individual to mourn his state of now being lacking in that relationship. You have at the end of the parsha, the parsha of Moadim, that we read on many of the holidays whenever we say Yiskor on the last day. And finally, you have in this week's parsha the mitzvah of tzedakah, which I'd like to focus on this morning. And for us to realize that the mitzvah of tzedakah points out the altar of Kelm, which is Reb Simcha Zisel Ziv, who was one of the foremost students of Reb Yisrael Salanta, that the primary mitzvah of tzedakah is not only the actual giving of the check or giving of the money or the food to the poor, but that the mitzvah Bishlei Musa, the mitzvah of charity in its completeness is through this mitzvah one is to ideally attain and fulfill the mitzvah of V'yohavta L'reyacha Kamocha which means that you are to empathize you are to feel for the needy kamocha, as if you were literally in that state and he gives the following example that if a person himself unfortunately had not eaten for a day or more so when they will get to eat the probability is they're not going to say to themselves, Ah, oh, I now have a chance to fulfill the biblical mitzvah as found in Parshas for Eschanan, Vinishmartem Od Lenafsho Seichem, that you have a responsibility of taking care of the body which God has given you. Rather, you're going to eat at such a time because there's a natural, strong, instinctive urge to eat. You are to empathize and feel as much as you can with the plight of the next one, and you are to perform the mitzvah, not because the Torah says, give charity, you're to perform the mitzvah because I feel for the next one. And in reality, we can substantiate this teaching of the altar of Kilm by the Maharal based upon the Rashi at the end of Parshas Yisro. In Parshas Yisro, the Torah says, Im Mizbach Adama Taseli. Now, im, spelt aleph mem, literally means if. 
the pasuk would then mean if you were to make an altar of earth so the Torah then goes on to tell us some of the specific laws of the Mizbeach you're not to use a metal instrument to cut the stones etc however the word im Rashi tells us in the name of Rabbi Yishmael that there are three verses in the Torah where the Torah uses the word im but it's translated properly by art scroll and others not as im meaning if but rather when when you build a mizbeach these are the laws in parshas mishpatim im kesef talveh esami doesn't mean if you lend money to the poor but when you lend money to the poor you are not to charge interest the Maharal asks, why? Why does the Torah couch it in im, as if it were an if? And the answer that he gives very brilliantly is as follows. The Torah doesn't want to command the Jew to give charity as if, look, I have no choice, this is what I have to do. No, just the opposite. You are to give because you want to give. You are to give because you feel for the needs and the plight of the next one, that it's literally kamocha. If you were in this state, you would want someone to help you. You are going to help him because you feel for him. And there is a very significant story I can share with you to substantiate this idea. And that is the former mashkiach in Lakewood, Rav Nassan Meir, Wach Fogel, Zechatzadik Levracha, told of an incredible incident which happened to him when he was still in Kelm. And what happened was as follows. It was, as we are now approaching Chodesh Elul, and this Tuesday and Wednesday is Rosh Chodesh. Wednesday is the first day of Elul. One night in Elul, Rav Vogel had a dream. And what was his dream? That Rabbeinu Yonah was coming to his town. And Rabbeinu Yonah was going to give a shmooze before Yom Noroyim. Everybody was coming to the Beis HaKnesses, excited about the presence of this most prestigious individual. And when it came time to him to enter the Beis HaKnesses, the Gabai, literally the person at the door stopped him from entering. He told him his name, it didn't help. He mentioned his father's name, his grandfather's name. All his teaching of Torah didn't help. And so finally he said, do you know who my son is? My son is Reb Nachum Velvo. When the watchman heard that, he allowed him to enter. 
immediately in the morning he sent for his son and he said Menachem Menachem Delvo tell me what did you do to allow me to get in the son had no choice but to tell his father that the son unfortunately needed a new pair of shoes for the winter and he just could not afford them he put away literally a few coins each week and after many many weeks he had seen a pair of shoes in the shoemaker's window he went and he purchased these shoes that he needed badly for himself not long after there was a knock on his door one cold snowy winter night and Ramnachum saw a poor individual who was not even dressed sufficiently needed a winter coat gave him warm food and was walking him to the door when he noticed my goodness that he literally did not have shoes he didn't blink those shoes which he had saved up for those shoes which he needed because the ones that he had were passable but not really adequate it was those shoes that he gave to the poor man said the Mashkiach Rav Nassim Meir to his son Nachum you should know that it was in that schus I was able to go and hear the shmooze of Rabbeinu Yonah this is what the Torah wants of us the Torah wants that tzedakah is to transform us in the second chapter of Rus we find that Naomi says to her daughter-in-law who comes back from Boaz's field laden with grain and so Naomi asks where were you today in whose field and Rus answers Shem Ho'ish Asher Imo Hayom Boaz the name of the man that I did for him today was Boaz what do you mean that you did for him after all Boaz was the one that facilitated your getting the grain say our rabbis such a powerful idea Yoseer more than more than what the benefactor gives the poor person does the poor individual the recipient actually do for the benefactor and what's the answer my friends Rus transformed Boaz into a giver she gives him the opportunity to literally transform his character this coming Wednesday the Spartan begin the recitation of Slichos we Ashkenazim wait until the week before Rosh Hashanah in Slichos what does the Gemara say the Gemara says that Yasu Lefanai Kaseder Hazer we are literally to do this 
prescribed order, meaning to recite these verses of the Yud Gimumidos as found in Parshas Kisisa, Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum V'chanon. And what does it mean, Ya'asu? It means that we're not just simply to recite it, but we are to incorporate these 13 attributes of Hashem as the 611th mitzvah of the Olachto Bidrachov, Mahu Afata. Just as God is Rachum, He is Chanun, He is merciful, so are we to be. And so the mitzvah of Tzedakah is literally to change and to transform ourselves. This is the greatness of this mitzvah. And I close with the Gemara and Baba Basra, required reading, Daf Yud Amar Aleph, where Tunisrufus Russia says to Rabbi Akiva, if God loves the poor, why doesn't he take care of them himself? And what's Rabbi Akiva's answer? His answer is, of course Hashem can take care of it himself. Ella, the reason why Hashem sets up the system of giving charity is that the benefactors, the ones who give, will therefore be saved from the judgment of Gehenna. Wow! The next time that a poor person knocks on the door or a Meshulach a legitimate person collecting for a legitimate institution, instead of, God forbid, telling your child, tell him I'm not home, not only are we teaching our child to lie, God forbid, but we don't realize, ultimately, who is helping whom. Not only should you greet the person that comes to your door, but save upon him your foes, give what you can, if you can't give more, apologize. But treat him with respect, realizing that he is helping you become the ultimate mensch that you can and attain the Ahafta, the Reyacha, Kamocha. And now we know why it's Shuva, Tefillah, and Staka, and not Shuva, Tefillah, and other mitzvos that are Ma'avirin, Ezroa. Shabbat Shalom to all.
are some great Echsovs out there. That one is absolutely spectacular. Yehuda Green, JM and the AM. It's Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Re'eh. Candle lighting at 724. We'll bench Rosh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Elul is coming up. Tuesday and Wednesday is Rosh Chodesh Elul. I want to remind everybody that there is a, um, a run with Israel 5K run and walk in Central Park at 1030 in the morning this coming Sunday. There'll be a post-race event at the Ramaz Middle School on East 85th Street between Park and Lexington. Information, runwithisrael5k at gmail.com. you got to write out the whole thing. Runwithisrael5k at gmail.com. Again, it says Sunday. Starts at 1030 in the morning. Then you head to Ramaz Middle School for the uh, post-race program. Call like a vote to those who put this together. Enjoy, everybody. It should be uh, a lot of fun. I think the weather's supposed to be good on Sunday, which makes it even better. Uh, JM and the AM on this era of Shabbos. Reminder, we have amazing weekend programming, of course, on our stream at jmtheam.org, including Matis on Sunday morning. That's right. There's a JM Sunday, critically acclaimed JM Sunday, Sunday mornings between 7 and 9 a.m., uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sundays, Matas presents a news report in English. That's good. It's comprehensive. An amazing roundup of what's happened over the weekend. So uh, make sure to be tuned in on our stream at jmtheam.org. Simple as that. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. Okay. 
Yisrael, Yisrael, Nachimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up another great week for us here at JMTheam. Monday we're back starting at 6 a.m. Mat is on on Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in to jmtheam.org for JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. on our amazing stream. And, of course, we have an incredible stream of Erev Shabbos music going all the way from now until candlelighting time. Make sure to be tuned in on the NSN app or on jmtheam.org or whatever method you use to tune us in from around the world. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.